Coming up on today's edition of Locked On Eagles, an Eagles wide receiver set a record in another sport. Can he make the 53-man roster this summer? I think Gino's going to have some personal ties to this one with his favorite college team. Also, we finish up a beef history with the core four of 2016 to 2020. Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson. What went wrong with that core? That's coming up next on today's edition of Locked On Eagles. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. I'm Louis DiBiase. He's Gino Camilleri. We've been your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast now for four years running. Also, analysts on Fox 43. Make sure you check out all our content at fox43.com. Subscribe to the podcast Monday through Friday on all platforms, on YouTube as well. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at LockdownBirds, at DiBiaseLOE, and at GC24 underscore football. This edition of Lockdown Eagles is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Lockdown listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more using the promo code LOCKDOWN. Gino, everybody knows from now, as I've said, we've been doing this show together for four years. We've talked a lot of college football. We do shows from September to January when the college football season is going. Everybody knows you're an Oregon Ducks fan and you have been for a very long time. And honestly, for me too, like I've never really said it because I don't have a college team, but growing up, I watched a lot of Oregon Ducks football. I have a Dennis Dixon jersey in my closet that's signed by Jonathan Stewart. I was a big Darren Thomas guy, Marcus Mariota. I was on that bandwagon trying to get Chip Kelly to bring him in. But so you have personal ties to this, and I'm kind of a Ducks guy too. You got to be rooting really hard for Devin Allen, right, to make this roster. The kid, not even a kid, he's 27 years old now as a rookie. This past weekend, he ran the third fastest 110-meter hurdle ever at 12.84. I mean – that speed is incredible. I know he hasn't played football in like six years, but there might be a chance that there's something here, right? I think for once, your jinx outweighed any jinx that I've had in recent memory. When you said that you would take Quez Watkins less than 24 oh, hours prior to Devin Because well, they ran the same 40 time. They both ran 4-3-4s. <laughs> you said that you would rather have Quez Watkins in a race over Devin Allen. I Man, did. can that kid fly. He is a world-class athlete. And the second one that they've had since Marquise Goodwin, who was here a couple years ago. And when you learn what it takes to knock down fragments, fractions of a second, to get to that level and how gifted athletically you have to be naturally and how much time and effort you put in on and off the track. If he has just an ounce of that mindset that he had preparing for the world championships, preparing for the Olympics, he could really make a career, the return game. And I look back a couple of years ago when Chip Kelly was in San Francisco and they brought in Jared Hain, who was a rugby player from New they brought him in he became their returner and it was primarily because he was lightning fast now Devin played football for one he's way faster than Jared Hain is he's I mean the third fastest ever in the world at 110 meter hurdles that's crazy ungodly ever. to even hear out loud and he 
blew out the the record holder at the time who he was racing against. Hollywood, I think, is his nickname. And I want somebody that can just hit, hit the open field. Guys miss where they're coming at you at an angle, but you can just struggle. They haven't had somebody like that maybe ever in the return game. Going back years now, I it's mean, been since Deshaun Jackson, you know, Mahe, and Sproles, I, I think is. I mean, yeah, Kenyon Barner was good in but 2017. Deshaun wasn't really you know, a big guy in the. Deshaun wasn't huge in the kick return game, though. He was more of a punt returner based uh, sure. returner. They need a full time guy that could be your fifth or sixth wide receiver, your fifth or sixth cornerback, your fifth or sixth safety option that also can provide you with meaningful snaps in the return game. And yeah, of course I'm rooting for Devin Allen. He was a guy that was there in the midst of a god-awful receiving core for Marcus Mariota for multiple years. His best year came as a freshman where he had 684 yards on 41 receptions, seven touchdowns, and he had some return ability early on at Oregon. He had eight kick returns for 209 yards, averaging Mm -hmm. 26.1, but then in 2014, it is 2022. Right, man. It's been that a is a long, long way from the game. Yeah, that's a long. I mean, long 2016 time. was his last year, but still, that's that's six years without being on the gridiron. Yeah, I mean, look, the Eagles, like you said, they've been really bad in the return game since the Super Bowl season in 2017. And I know he's 27. He hasn't played football in a long time. There's been a lot of guys that have that kind of speed, and it doesn't translate to the football field. I use John Ross all the time. But if there's a chance, I mean, you it makes sense why they signed him when you have that kind of speed where you're running like the third fastest mm-hmm. time ever in track at a certain event. Like you have to at least kick the tires, just like you had to kick the tires on Jordan Maialata as a rugby star in the seventh round. And that panned out, not saying Devin Allen's going to be the next top receiver in the league. Like Maialata is the top left tackle, maybe in all of football under the age of 30. Uh, Tyree Jackson even switched from quarterback to tight end. And he did a lot last year to make the roster. And I still like his potential. So the Eagles have had long shots that have transitioned from other positions and other sports turn out to have a certain floor of success. So I think it's a long shot for sure, but considering their track record, considering Jalen Rager has been horrible at kick returning and punt returning, Greg Ward as well, and you know the open availability after those top four receivers, you know there's definitely a chance this guy could, I mean, there, there is a, a path for him on the bubble. I think people in Philadelphia specifically think back to the Jeremy Bloom years, if you remember that, the guy who was a slalom skier. And he's actually related to, I think it's called Emily's Game, or it's on Netflix, but it's a movie. And my roommates actually know him, know Jeremy Bloom and the sister who's like a world-renowned con artist for a little bit in time. And it's a crazy story if you look at Jeremy Bloom's (laughs) whole family. But going back to it, being a slalom skier is a lot different than running on flat ground. Devin Allen at least is a guy who's running on flat ground. And you always wanted to see what it would be like for Usain Bolt to play on a football field, right? Well, he at least played the sport, right? I mean, my yeah. lot didn't even play the sport. So you at least 100%. have a guy that was a second overall picks top receiver in 2014. As you said, he caught mm-hmm. seven touchdowns that year over 600 yards. And again, like, you got so the locks at receiver, it's AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Zach Pascal. That's four guys. 
Mm-hmm. And then those other two spots between Rager, Greg Ward, Deion Kane had a pretty good OTAs, uh, and Devin Allen, like he's got a chance. He is in that mix. And Gino, here's an interesting question before we take a break. Better odds to make the roster. Devin Allen or another guy that's switching from receiver to another position, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Do you think J.J.'s still got a better shot? Like of those two that are transitioning from other sports and positions, who's got the better shot? I'll say this. All right. I do remember the name of the movie. It's Molly's Game. Everybody should check it out. Gotcha. It's great. That does sound familiar. Yeah. But I would say I'll put this down as a bet. I won't bet you on does he, does Devin Allen have a better chance. I will say tight end versus tight end converted player from wide receiver. JJ will have a better shot to make the Eagles roster than Devin Funches, newly signed <laughs> Detroit Lion, who transferred to tight end, will have to make that roster. I will say, though, Lou, when you are looking at the depths of a depth chart, no pun intended there, you're looking at number 51, 52, 53. What stands out above everything? Your ability to play special teams. J.J. was very good on special teams last year. He was yep. very good in all four phases. I, I want you to go back if you, you haven't watched the special teams, Phil. Nobody's going to actually do that. But he did look good. But what they need and what they're trying to get out of Devin Allen is something that they haven't had. And Jordan Maialata, why he was such a, a renowned piece to bring in there is because he was a fresh ball of clay at a position where it's coveted in the NFL left tackle. And you can't yeah. find those guys anywhere. Returner, too, man, they have – missed on so many guys that returner was their second position and it's frustrating that, Gino because they've had so much speed the last few years like exactly, Rager between exactly. all of the guys like Rager Quez Boston Scott Kenneth mm-hmm. Gainwell you would have thought at least one of these guys could return efficiently but they just haven't and so no. yeah I agree man there is there's a path there I think JJ has a better shot still based on draft status based on you know his special teams ability and coverage as a gunner um I think Allen should have a better chance, but I think it is JJ. It's funny you mentioned Devin Funches. Do you know both of our my guys in that receiver class of 2019, or at least a couple of them, moved from receiver to tight end? One, it didn't work out for my guy, Hakeem Butler. Mm-hmm. JJ, we'll, we'll see this summer for sure. Yeah, Devin Funches is doing it too. So a lot of these slow, tall, wide receivers are trying to make it at receiver. <laughs> if you run a 4 end. 6 and you're skinny and you can <laughs> yeah. kind of block, try out tight try, end. Try tight end instead <laughs> of receiver. Uh, Gino, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up, we're going to wrap up our A Beef History series where we take a look back at the biggest internal feuds in Eagles history we've done so far. McNabb versus T.O. and Deshaun Jackson. Howie Roseman versus Chip Kelly. Um, we also did... I'm missing one. Oh, Carson Wentz against the anonymous sources of 2018 and 2019. Mm, Today, we're going to look back at what went wrong between the core four of 2016 to 2020. Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, Carson Wentz, and Doug Peterson. Why did it go so wrong so fast in 2020? That's coming up next right here on Lockdown Eagles. And guys, first, a shout out to one of our sponsors over at BlueNile.com. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of her dreams or celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. And no matter what you're looking for, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And promo code uh, LOCKDOWN is going to get you $50 off purchases of $500 or more. That's promo code LOCKDOWN plus 
Every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Visit BlueNile.com today. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back in to this Wednesday edition of Lockdown Eagles. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Guys, you got the NBA Finals going on right now, too. The Stanley Cup Finals game one is tonight. The NBA Draft's right around the corner, too. The Ultimate NBA Mock Draft actually starts tomorrow, June 16th, with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. The Lockdown NBA Big Board Draft Experts plus the Odyssey Insiders are going to put this together. First pick is tomorrow. Make sure you search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. Gino, in the world of the Eagles, nothing really going on right now. This is the dead zone of the offseason. Smack dab in the middle of it. Uh, OTAs is over. Players report to training camp at the Novacare Complex, not until July 26th. So we still have over a month, about five weeks away from that. So we're taking a look back down memory lane as we love to do. And I think most Eagles media likes to do this time of year. The nostalgia content is heavy and that is my kind of stuff. So we've been doing a beef history series over the last two weeks where we're taking a look back at some of the biggest internal feuds within the Eagles organization. Like I said, in segment one, we've done McNabb against T.O. We did Chip versus Howie. We did Carson versus those anonymous sources. And today we're going to wrap it up with the most recent one. It was 2020. It was Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman. Gino, it felt like everybody had a problem with everybody to a certain degree. And it just all collapsed so fast, right? That marriage that was the marriage, right? That helped you win a Super Bowl. It was supposed to lead you into the next decade. It resulted in a championship, three playoff appearances in five years, and yet it only lasted five total seasons. It only lasted three more years after a title, and it only lasted one season after three straight trips to the postseason. I mean, when you, I know there's so much to this, but like when I say what went wrong with this four, like what's the first thing you think of? And that's such a loaded question, but like what's the first thing? It is like what's what's the first domino to fall, and yeah, it really was. was it when Clowney? did the what, yeah? When did the that's the question? When did the domino start to fall? And yeah. I look at it like that. Everybody knows that couple on Instagram. They post a picture with each other every single day, right? Their life's great. They're going out for a hike. They're doing a picnic. They're doing this that, and then the pictures stop, and then you find out that they're not together anymore. Right. And that's really what the Philadelphia Eagles were. Everything looked great. It looked fantastic. Oh, Nick Foles is coming back. He's going to help out while Carson Wentz is healing his back up. And everybody's behind Carson. He's the man on the team. And then two years go by after the Super Bowl and saying, hmm, that anonymous stuff or that anonymous source stuff is starting to leak. It was a slowly eroding process, right? It was. It was. It's like when you look at pictures in science class of what like the Colorado river used to look like and how high it was. And then you look at the grand Canyon, you see how low it is now, how much erosion took place. That thing started the year after Carson Wentz was drafted. He was drafted in 2016 and things started to get hectic in 2017. We thought 2017 was this beautiful, I mean, culmination, it, it still is. It, it, it still perfect. is perfect to me, how how everything came together. But behind closed doors, it was rough. It was that couple. They stopped posting pictures together. Guys started picking sides. Nick Foles versus Carson Wentz. Yeah. Howie Roseman versus Doug Peterson. Jeffrey Lurie's out there on an island. Now his hands are tied. And how I kind of tie it together, Lou, is 
going back to when Jeffrey Lurie had his press conference a couple months ago and he mentioned the JJ pick, right? And he said it was me and Jeffrey on one side and it was Doug and I believe Joe Douglas on the other side. Yeah, yep. It kind of was like that exact thing in a way where it's it's Howie and Jeff who've been together just forever. Too much picking sides, yeah. Yeah, right? with it the was. quarterbacks, with the you're right, mm-hmm. great point with the coaches, with the front office, and maybe that wasn't a fair question. Like pick one thing because, as you said, it was a oh, four a season process. Um, mm-hmm. it, it probably it really did it did start with the Carson Wentz injury in L.A. I mean, that is really where this all started. Yeah, because a great point. Because then the yes. Nick Foles stuff happened, and Carson the psyche started to affect him. The injuries physically started to affect him. So when you point to what went wrong with Carson, that's where it all started. And Gino, mm-hmm. I just think in general, that's where it started with injuries. Like you look at the catastrophic amount of injuries that were suffered in 2017, 2018, and 2019. On top of you know bad drafts, bad signings, wrong decisions on older players, wrong decisions on assistant coaches. It was just a culmination of all these things. There was just a lot to overcome. And when you see all that pressure build up, a lot of the time these internal feuds do happen. I think the injuries though were the biggest thing. I just don't think this team ever even got a real chance at rebounding from that Super Bowl win because they were never put together complete Mm -hmm. again after that. So then all these problems were really highlighted and amplified. Carson felt more pressure. Doug felt more pressure. Howie felt more pressure. I I think that is really the biggest part is was injuries. You have to look at it and say, what was the catalyst to the first step? And I think seeing that blue tent go up in LA was the catalyst, because what happens if Carson never gets hurt, right? Then that leads to a whole another story. That we I still would never change it though, because you can't forever. guarantee a Super Bowl outside no, of what you, happened. So you as can't. much as that is where it happened, I wouldn't change it. You can't. I mean, everything went perfectly, even without Jason Peters and Darren Sproles. It wasn't all on Carson Wentz, but it really started to go that way. Because if you look at it as well, not just the injury to Carson. A lot of the injuries to the guys they brought in to build around Carson as well. Look at Elshon. That was his guy. I would say anybody who is tied to Carson Wentz as much as I would say Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson who picked him, it's probably Elshon Jeffrey. Because what got them over that hump? It was bringing in that top wide receiver who him and Elshon had a great rapport. But then Elshon's hurt. He starts to slow down Carson's ability to trust his other receivers. Well, then Alshon grows a connection with Foles. Yeah, and I think that built exactly. a tension between the two. Um, you're right. Mike Wallace got hurt. Golden Tate didn't work out. Deshaun Jackson was supposed to be Wentz's guy. That didn't yep. work. Rager. It just felt like nothing worked. It, it, that really is just the fact of the matter. And yet, again, though, I really don't. I think this could have worked out better because you still saw with all of that happening, they still pulled off the playoffs in two of those three years after the Super Bowl. So it's just a lot of things. Gino, I think overall, too, is just a bad process. As you said, it was Lurie right. and Howie versus Doug and, and, you know, Joe Douglas. And, you know, Lurie and Howie don't really trust Doug to pick his own coaching staff after Frank Reich and John Filippo. And, you know, meanwhile, Doug doesn't really get as much personnel say, so there's a bitterness building there. He doesn't even have control of his own coaching staff despite his resume. And then you had the whole giant story from the athletic about the analytics department having their own process and the scouts and the coaches. And then the owner is going to, you know, put his two cents in. And it just felt like they weren't on the same page. Like they were the first two years of this whole thing and where they are right now too. Absolutely. And everything 
that got us to where we are today is to do with what happened prior. That was a learning experience. The whole one situation was a learning experience. And you talk about what got them to that point, you'd have to go back even further. It's Howie Roseman being put in the back of the Novacare complex because Chip Kelly garnered that player personnel. Which you said power, last week, it's true. Yeah. Which Doug Peterson never got because of Chip Kelly. So yeah. it's a whole. It's a big circle. They're paranoia it, it's revolutions, yeah. man. They were they're, less it, trustworthy of a, of a coach because of Chip. And it wasn't even really Doug's fault. 100%. You're right. And you even said that last time we talked about Howie versus Chip. It's like you saw those footprints that, you know, that experience with Chip kind of negatively affect this relationship. Because although, mm -hmm. Gino, like they were kind of right to not trust Doug after that first coaching staff he picked because Mike Groh, Carson Walsh, you know, Press Taylor. The, these decisions were very questionable. But for a guy that had the resume of Doug from 2017 to 2019, he should have been able, even if he's not going to get roster say, he should have been able to have a real chance at picking his own staff instead of in 2020, they're throwing a bunch of different, you know, cooks in his kitchen. And it, it was a disaster. And then to the point where, you know, at, at the end, he was just so checked out. They asked him to make up a new plan for 2021. He's like, I'm going to make internal hires. I think everybody at the end was just so exhausted, right? I mean, Carson too mm -hmm. demanded a trade. Like, I think everybody was just very checked out very quickly. And a lot of that, again, had to do with the pressure these guys had to overcome after the Super Bowl. It, it was a lot. It's one of those things where it's like, if they would have won in the fifth year of Doug Peterson, would that have been better for them, right? Because they would have probably had to overcome much more adversity and go through the trials and tribulations to get to that point, which they went through zero to 120 in the blink of an eye, yeah. like Ferrari level fast, where they go from, I mean, a 500 level team. Oh, overnight. they didn't expect to have to do. No, I, they didn't expect their window to open up that quick. No way. And for the longest time, and you could go back and listen to Lou and I, and you talk about the, the Super Bowl hangover. Was that a real thing? Oh, 150%. We might not have said it at the time, but we know those guys thought they could come in there, go through the motions from everybody on board. I mean, Howie Roseman was a part of it too. Everybody in that building thought that they were better than every other team they in got the cocky, National man. Football League. They, they, they totally got cocky. And they started, Howie started thinking that, you know, he was smarter than everybody in the NFL. And I think mm -hmm. that had a lot to do with too. The other thing that really put Wenson, they totally lost him. Of course, there was a lot of things, his own stubbornness, the injuries, uncontrollable circumstances, but the moves they made at receiver and the failures at receiver. And then the Hertz pick too is like, they lost his trust. He felt sabotaged, scapegoated. The pressure was added onto his shoulders in 2020. That was another direct example of this team just thinking they did things differently, but it was the right way. And I think they've learned that lesson. Today's episode of Lockdown Eagles is brought to you by Built Bar. You know how our friends at Built are always coming out with amazing new flavors, right? Well, this time Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. Me and Gino are obsessed with this flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new mud pie flavor in both mud pie bar and mud pie puffs, which are our marshmallow puffs. Incredible flavors. Not sure what mud pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down for this one. This new mud pie bar is rich with cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. That's a protein bar you're eating, not some sundae or lavish candy bar. No, that is a protein bar. 
You've got to try mud pie as soon as possible. This might be from the network talking to everybody might be the best flavor they've ever come out with. And you need, you need to hurry because the mud pie bar and mud pie puff bar are only available for a limited time. Visit built.com to taste the deliciousness for yourself. Not convinced? Luckily, we've saved the best for last. It's actually good for you too. Only 150 calories and eight grams of sugar in every bar. It's like your mom baked the most deliciously creamy chocolate mud pie and it's wrapped just for you with none of the guilt. Head over to built.com today. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you're going to get 15% off your order at built.com. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That's why having Howie here is such an unprecedented ideology in the NFL. Not many teams stick around with a general manager for over the course of two decades in the organization. Multiple, multiple feuds, man. We've Howie's been featured in two of these four episodes. <laughs> At the same time, though, that made him become who he is today yeah. as a general and, manager. And, Gino, it's not like Howie had no argument. Like, you guys know I'm a big Carson Wentz supporter. Oh, yeah. I sympathize with his situation and all of this, and Doug's more than any. I want both of them still to be a part of this whole plan. But, like, Howie did need a good backup. Like, he did show that he invested a lot in Carson Wentz. It's not like Wentz had zero reason to believe this team believed in him based on what Rose Roseman did. The philosophy and mindset was always there. It was never the issue. Again, it was more of the, with Howie, the self-awareness, the context of the situations and the execution were always the issue. And we've said that before. Yeah. With Howie, it's almost uh, a results driven thing with him where yes. Carson and Doug were more been a process. No, it's a good point because, like, Doug, the results were there in 2018 and 2019. They made the playoffs, but, like, the process, you know, the results were there, but the process, like, with the coaches and how he was going mm -hmm. about things was questionable. It's why Lurie and Roseman were on edge. Yeah, is he truly a guy? And we'll find out with his time in Jacksonville that probably is a better coordinator and has to have a great staff around him to maybe cover up some flaws that he doesn't have in his own coaching circle, which is okay. I mean, everybody has their everybody, flaws, but yeah. maybe he didn't put the right support around him. It, let's say it's the Warriors. They need more guys that could shoot the three, but they're still wanting a guy who could post up down low and dunk it a hundred times a game. Like that's not what the, the NBA is today. And Carson Wentz, you can't just do what you did in 17 and think it's okay in 18, 19, 20 and still get away with it. Same with Doug, same with Howie. You have to evolve and, and get better in 17. You would have liked it to be an ego check, but at, in reality, it, it was the exact opposite. It just pumped up their the whole organization's tires where you're like, oh, all these guys are going to have a chip on their shoulder. Carson Wentz hasn't won yet. Uh, Jason Peters wasn't on the field. Darren Sproles, and it's like, now all these guys just think they're going to come in and have like this Coach K going away tour, and in reality, everybody's going to come and punch you in the mouth, which they did for they did two snap consecutive out of it, though, seasons. You know, and that's the good thing is they showed two years in a row that they could snap out of that and, and make the playoffs despite right. all of this we're talking about. And that's that's the one thing I'm always going to be curious about, Gino. And I know how 2020 went, but and I know things are working now, and the situation looks really good. This roster looks mm -hmm. as complete as it's been on paper in a very long time. But I always will wonder what would have happened if these guys stuck together. I truly do believe they could have made it work. You know, would they have had all the assets they have right now? Probably not, because you got a ton out of that Carson Wentz trade. 
But again, those runs in 2018 and 2019, I don't think they were flukes. They showed the massive strengths this team had those three seasons to rally around each other. And, you know, if this team finally got over the injuries, they got younger like they did now, and, you know, they gave Doug maybe one last real chance to pick his staff, and they give Carson, like, all the support he needs, I don't know. I, I'm very curious. I, I think they could have bounced back. I, I think 2020 was an out- 2017 might have been an outlier, but so too, I think, was 2020. I, I would put more faith in Doug bouncing back. I, mm. I think he probably could have come back, but after yeah, what I, I saw happen yeah. – to Wentz and Indy and hear what Jim Irsay yeah, has to over. say about yeah. him. It really does. Unless they traded Jalen and right. But I don't know, got- man, like Carson Wentz gets AJ Brown and Devonte Smith. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I truly don't know, but ultimately it came down. I would say to Doug being tied almost. If you want to say to his doing or to his, not to his doing because he was there the first year and he was tied to Carson coming in and it's Jeffrey Lurie over the edge. And in one arm, it's Howie Roseman. In the other hand, it's Doug Peterson who's hanging on to Carson Wentz. I think that's what it came down to, but we have to let them go. And and it comes back to his relationship with Howie at the end of the day. No, it is. I think Doug, you're probably right. Doug would have had a better chance to bounce back in Philly after 2020. I think Carson Wentz had a better chance to actually still be in Philadelphia after 2020. I think when they hired Nick Sirianni, they had in mind making Wentz work still if he calmed down and wanted to come back. I think they, at that point, knew with that final meeting in Florida that Doug was going to come in with the same plan he's always had, and they Mm -hmm. knew Doug was fed up. I think they were hoping Carson Wentz calmed down at some point and did come back, but you're right, probably – if both stayed, who has a better chance of bouncing back? It's probably Doug. But mm-hmm. I, you always wonder what would have happened, what could have been. It's a big what if. Like if they just stay the course after 2019, if Jadavion Clowney doesn't cheap shot Wentz, and heck, maybe they trade up for CD Lamb and use that Hurts pick, or they just draft Justin Jefferson. Maybe things are different. But there needed to be a lot to get done. How we needed to fix his issues, Carson, Doug. It just it got messy really fast, man. It's fascinating. I've never seen a core like that collapse so quick. Not in this sport, at least, especially when you look at the quarterback. I mean, how many times have you seen somebody play to that caliber and just lay a nothing burger? Well, it was a very unique situation, year. man. I mean, how many times does a backup quarterback take his team on two runs and then they draft another quarterback in the second round? I mean, it, that's a very unique situation. One that will never be repeated, one that will yeah. never have – that much media attention, not just from people in right. Philadelphia. Then it's like the city this all, all happened in too. Like, come on. Of course these guys all <laughs> checked out mentally. I would we know too. it's going to make a great 30 for 30 one day. Oh, we, yeah. we know that. And if not, Lou and I will have to, we'll have to dig into I'm our working on the book, baby. I'm working on the book. That's right. That, that's your thing here. But I think it's, it's a very interesting of what if, and knowing when to cut your losses versus not knowing when to it's cut your losses. It's lessons you learned. And, and I think it's helping you, your team now. Stories you learn along the way and learning what might seem right or wrong at the time long-term might be the better move. Because at the time, I'm sure there are things that I said that I probably don't agree with how I thought about them now. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that think the same way about that exact thing. And that's why getting into this league in this field in the NFL, it's so reactionary. But stories like this and – just having 
all of these different, I'd say beefs that when you learn these lessons from them can make you better because to look at that whole situation with Wentz and everything, I might have a bad taste now, but this culture is better for where this team is left off because of the events that happened. I'm truly in a good place rooting for this Eagles team, knowing that this is a true Eagles identity. It doesn't seem like there's any of this, I would say fighting behind the scenes. Everybody seems pretty bought in. Yeah. Knock on wood there, but finally, finally after, I mean, Howie Roseman was the general manager of this team when there were still two zeros in each year, you know, I mean, he, he was in this organization forever and he's still here. And he lived through all these beasts, man. He was, he, he, he was learned something. He's Sidious, man. He was alive for all three trilogies. <laughs> <laughs> he really what? Hey, what a way to cap that off. Sorry, man. I've been watching Obi-Wan day. lately, so I, I'm in Star Wars mode. If you haven't seen the fifth episode, folks. I'm about to watch it tonight. Ooh, hold on here. Yeah, we're doing a lot of that stuff. Eagles training camp isn't until July 26th, so enjoy some shows on Disney Plus, Netflix. Go take a vacation, but make sure you always come back to Lockdown Eagles. Still three to four shows a week up until training camp, and then we're back to Monday through Friday on July 26th. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the show. Also available in video form on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Birds at GC24 underscore football and at DBLCLOE. That's going to do it for today's edition of Lockdown Eagles. Thank you so much for making LOE your first listen each and every day. Make sure your second listen is the Lockdown NFL podcast, all the news across the league in under 30 minutes. It's also free and available wherever you get your shows. For Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for downloading, watching, and listening. And as always, let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.